Good morning. Happy Sabbath. It's going to be a pop question first. I was here about a year ago. Does anybody remember? Wow. You all get A's. The rest of you failed. Um, I did a presentation on on the mission and what AWA does, what we're going to do. I'm not doing that today. I want to talk about two things. First of all, I want to go into a personal testimony, um, beginning with a talk on faith. My personal testimony is, uh, is really quite long, but it takes place in a very, very short period of time. Now, don't worry, we're not going to be here till 4 o'clock. I won't do that to you. But if, if somebody ever wants to hear more, I'm an open book. Uh, I want to start off talking about a little, a little faith here. And the word faith. But let's first, let's first talk about what faith is not. And I've got a, a few good things here. Faith is not a way to manipulate God. It is not a power by which we make God do what we want, when otherwise he would be unwilling to do that. It is not a kind of magic through which we make God our servant. That is what faith is not. Faith is not hope, nor positive desire. Hope is good, right? Hope is good. And it relates to the future. Faith, however, takes the promise as done now. Okay, that's what faith is not. So what is faith? In the general sense of the word, to have faith is to believe in something or someone to fully trust, or to be so confident that you base your actions on what you believe. To have faith is to be fully convinced of the truthfulness and reliability of that in which you believe. Faith in God, then, is having the kind of trust and confidence in God and in Christ that leads you to commit your whole soul to him as your Savior your justifier, your cleanser, and your healer. In the NIV translation, it says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That always reminds me of the movie Miracle on 34th Street. Everybody knows that movie, right? The child had faith. Faith causes you to know in your heart before you see with your eyes. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Some say seeing is believing. But once you see the thing hoped for already existing in natural order, you don't need faith. Faith is like a check. All you have to do is hold the check and go to the bank and present it you can be confidently expectant that the money is to appear in your account after a little bit of time. 
If you throw the check away, the money will not be put in your account. God is trustworthy, and he has the resources to back his promises. So that's, that's a few things on faith. Now, there are some enemies on faith, too. Um, some of the main enemies of faith, let's talk about them. Ignorance. You cannot believe a promise until you hear it or find it. Much unbelief rises out of the fact that people just don't know what the Bible says. The cure for this is study, meditation, and consideration of the word. Doubt. Doubt is an enemy to faith because it speaks with a voice that challenges the truth or the reliability of what we should be believing. To overcome doubt, we must fill ourselves with the word of God, meditating deeply and repetitively on it. Right? Right. Discouragement. Discouragement. Sometimes we feel discouraged because of the physical or emotional weaknesses or tirednesses. We may be disappointed by the behavior of other Christians. We may be discouraged by the persecution of others, even our families. Perhaps we have waited for many or may not be God's promises to us, and we grow impatient. I don't know about you, but I've experienced all of these. And as, as being human, you experience these. And that's why we must go back to God's word. We must believe. Faith is a spiritual force through which our ministry for Christ becomes effective. Faith. So I want you to keep those, those things in mind here because I've experienced every one of them. And I'm going to tell you a story of my experiences. I'm going to hit from the time... I was born to the time I was 40 years old in about three seconds. And then it's going to slow down. I grew up without the Lord in my life. He wasn't invited into our home when I grew up. I knew nothing about the Lord. As a matter of fact, I was more convinced that he didn't exist. That's what was portrayed to me. Now, I think through that, our entire family missed a lot of, a lot of blessings, a lot of, a lot of truth. But what I also noticed is the enemy had my family right where they wanted them. They were just moving along. And that's how I grew up. And I continued all the way through my years, my early years of work. I became a pilot in 1979. Um, 
in the mid to late 80s, I got my commercial pilot's license. And I always dreamed I wanted to be a crop duster pilot. It looked fun. And I did. In 1989, I got my first job crop dusting. Um, I had a family. I've got four children myself, which Ryan is here, my son. And uh, crop dusting can be quite dangerous. And God has a plan for every one of us. He knows our life from the beginning to the end. We don't see that. He already knows it. And I believe that now that I look back, he's had, he's had a lot of plans. He's got a plan for every one of us. And there's still a lot of unanswered questions, but it's starting to unfold. During this time of, of flying, they say the average crop duster's life expectancy is about seven years. I did it 18 years. Now, there's a couple times I scared myself really bad. But I've also experienced some things I look back at that were miracles, situations that I got in that there was no explanation how I got out of it then. Now I know the explanation. So that's a little bit of my background. Um, I, I met my, my wife, my current wife, in the early 2000s, and we started communicating. And believe it or not, we, we met over the Internet, online dating. That's an awful long ways to go for a date. She was from Manila, Philippines. And I met her, and we communicated for a very long time. And I went to go meet her. At this point, I was in business for myself for several years. I had actually three different businesses. I had my own crop dusting business. I had an aircraft rebuilding business and an upholstery business. Now, I became very busy, and in business, sometimes, sometimes things don't always go well. I'm not going to get into a lot of the background, although, because that's where we could be here for a very long time, um, but I am an open book. Anybody that ever wants to visit, we can visit. I went to go meet my wife in 2004. While I was gone, some things happened back home in my shop. When I arrived back home, a lot of things were gone. Now, my wife was still not here. I came back and we did the petition to get her here. That takes about another nine months to a year. In the meantime, there were customers in the shop that lost a lot of their items. Things were taken. It came down to the point where 
even though even though insurance there wasn't proper insurance some things like that happened i was the one responsible that the items were gone they looked at me um upon that they charged me with customers with the loss of their property well when you start going through the court systems it takes time my wife charmaine or at that time my fiance we talked about this very much and she knew what was happening i was afraid of what was happening she got here in march of 2005 and we got married um my wife is is comes from a background of of a very spiritual and she's she's gone to church in the philippines it's very different you go to church several times a week and this is what she was used to and when we met she asked that i learn of the lord and i did before she got here i started attending some churches looked around i wanted to feel comfortable somewhere that was the first time i ever opened a bible and i was 41 years old now she got here and by that time i was attending a church in wausau it was not an sda church and we got married there however something didn't feel right being there so we again we had questions and we were looking that we were looking for the real truth we continued studying together and about oh maybe one year after we were married the legal issues finally came to head it got to the point where it got expensive and i had to make a decision i pled guilty to a charge and i was sentenced to three years in prison followed by three years of probation one year after she got here they took me away from the courtroom and took me to prison now i was devastated i was scared and I got there she sent me in a bible she sent me in some books on god and asked me have faith read these learn it was hard it was hard to concentrate it was hard to believe i was bitter i was mad but what else did i have there was a couple of people they had a little church there and there was a couple of people that saw that i was struggling one person in particular and he finally came up to me and said well could we pray together we started meeting and talking we started studying together we opened up the word of god and i started learning i got involved in the church and we did church plays over christmas the good news is my sentence was reduced and i only had to stay there for 14 months 
I got out, and of course now I have three years of probation. I got a job right away. I didn't have any, any struggles with finding a job. I didn't have anybody put me down because of my past, which I was very scared about. I was very afraid to answer that question on employment forms. It didn't affect me. So I know that having faith in God, he was there. He was there to help me. We continued to grow. We continued to find different churches to attend. We continued to study. Now, I always was drawn towards missions, mission aviation. And I would go to Oshkosh. We're in Nina. Everybody knows what Oshkosh is. And the first thing I would do, and this happened 10, 15, 20 years before I ever even opened the Bible, I'd get to Oshkosh and I'd go right to the mission aviation booths. I wanted to see what was going on, for something was drawing me. And I don't know why. It's becoming very clear. When, when I got out of prison, I always read all the Mission Aviation newsletters online. Looked at them, looked at them. And it was very interesting. It's something that I was drawn to. Now, I have to back up a little bit. There's something very key that I need to talk about. After I went to the Philippines and I came home without Charmaine, Charmaine went to, to Infanta, and it's, she was from Manila, Infanta's on the, on the other side by the ocean. A super typhoon came through, and it hit Infanta, and a mountain gave way, and it buried the entire town. A lot of people lost their lives. Charmaine was there that weekend. They were there on vacation, and I'm at home watching this on the news, horrified. It took two days before she could call me to tell me that they left an hour before the tragedy. Following that tragedy, she's got a lot of people in her family that are doctors, nurses, pharmaceutical representatives. They went in to lend their hand, help people. And Charmaine called me on the phone while she was walking through the, the devastation. And she, she said, I wish you were here with the airplane to help these people. That one statement never left. After she got here, we said, we're going to do this when we retire. We're going to buy an airplane, we're going to ship it to the Philippines, and we're going to do humanitarian relief. This is what we're going to do. Retire. I'm not quite there. So that was our plan. We talked about it. We planned it. We put the plan down on paper. We had 
airplanes figured out. We had places figured out. It, it was that sure. We were going to go 20 years from now. God's got different plans. Now, as time went on, I'm back home reading these newsletters. And Charmaine is sleeping one morning, and I come across AWA's newsletter, Adventist World Aviation, and I see that they have a project site in the Philippines. Well, somebody else is there. So I go to talk to her about it, and it was very interesting. I read their newsletters, all the back issues. Okay, I, I read them. Someday we'll be there. Time went on. I was working in an auto body shop at the time. Months later, very many months later. And I'm very busy working. And all of a sudden I got this overpowering feeling, give AWA a call. I, this, I was doing something else. I, I shouldn't have even been thinking about that, but it came right into my mind, clear as can be. Well, it was pretty amazing because I had one of their newsletters in the car that day. So I went out, got the phone number, and I called. I was put in touch with the project manager of AWA. And through a whole conversation, he says, well, how far are you from Marshfield, Wisconsin? I says, 20 minutes. Well, I'm going to be there this weekend. How would you like to meet us? God's timing is incredible, isn't it? Incredible. What if he would have, what if, what if that, that call AWA would have happened two days later? We wouldn't have met. We went there and we saw some pretty incredible things happen. We had our entire family. We went to a potluck. They weren't expecting seven more people. The food never ran out. Charmaine talked very, very in-depth. Charmaine was brought up Catholic. And she had a lot of questions. She started attending church in the Philippines, Christian churches with her aunt. So this was very to her, very interesting, very very nice to find some of the answers she was looking for. The next week, my daughter Alex and I decided that we're going to go to a local church in Wausau, the Shepherd's House. Charmaine found it for us, and Charmaine was working Sabbaths at that point. At that point, it wasn't really Sabbaths for us yet. So she asked if, if we'd go. So me and Alex went, and we walked in, and we just, you could feel. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was incredible when we were there. There was no question the comfort level I felt. We got out, Alex told me the same thing. That week, the pastor wasn't there. So 
we got home, Charmaine got home from work, and we were all excited, and we told Charmaine, you have to come with us next week. She didn't have to work. So we went and attended the, the shepherd's house. And guess what? The pastor there is a Filipino. Wow, she could really relate to that. We were very comfortable there. We haven't stopped going since. We got baptized in March of 2009 at the shepherd's house. Now, at this point, we also got involved with Adventist World Aviation. We decided we're going to give our lives. The calling was very clear. Circumstance over circumstance happened. I used to call them years ago coincidence. Too many of these happened in perfect timing and too powerful to be a coincidence. Now, it's hard to explain unless you live them. Because when they're that powerful, it, it, it goes beyond words. We got involved with AWA, and we decided we're going to be missionaries, and we're going to go to the Philippines. A lot sooner than retirement, huh? It worked out great. We've been, what we've been doing is, I have a lot of aircraft mechanical background. So I volunteer my time working on all the airplanes. The airplanes that are going to leave be shipped to the Philippines, plus airplane that's going back to Andrews University to teach more mission pilots how to fly so we can get more missionaries out in the field. There's not near enough. The work is incredible. I still was working full-time at a body shop. Work was getting slow. The economy was going bad. Charmaine worked at a financial company that did lending. I don't have to tell you what happened to her job. She lost her job. A little while later, I got laid off. We're living on a very small income. As, as part of my requirements after I left prison, I have to pay a fine. I have a monthly payment. After we both lost our jobs, I struggled to even pay the basic living needs. Satan, again, uses any door he can for discouragement, doesn't he? Satan was waiting with a bat. I missed a couple of payments. I couldn't make them. They filed a violation because I was still on probation. I was required to go back to court. This happened just last May. We went back to court. And there's some interesting things that happened there. God was also in that room. But what happened was Satan was there also. 
they wanted me to send me back for 10 months because I could not make a payment on the fine. That didn't happen, but they did give me four months. I was required to turn myself into prison again June 29th of this last year. So June 29th came. But the funny thing is, I had a, a month to prepare before I went. And I felt peace. It was going to be okay. Everything was going to be okay. Maybe there's a reason. June 29th came and I turned myself in. And I got there and of course there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of emotions. I was discouraged. I was questioning things. I had doubt all of these. But you know what it took? I had to open this. They have about 900 people in Duluth. It's a camp. There's no fence. You can walk out if you're brave enough. There's a church there, almost the size of this church. About five people attend. It's sad. There was a real need there. Before I left, I decided that I was going to try to do something while I was there. Okay. We're going to lift you up, Lord, no matter what the circumstances. So we did. I started attending the church, and there was no small groups. There was no meetings for prayers. So I decided, Lord, lead me. Let's see what we can do. I was able to get a group of about five people together. We met for small groups, which was very hard because unless you have a, a room that's assigned for a certain time, everything has to, it's very, very structured. So we had to meet in hallways, outside on a picnic table, um, in a corner in somebody's room, whatever it took. It was almost a full-time job figuring that out. Then then some things happened. Somebody asked me if I would do some one-on-one Bible studies with them. Within a month, small groups were going, two of those. They split into two and had six members each. Five one-on-one Bible studies. I was asked to do the sermon in the church service in the morning. Just by the small groups going, the, the whole mood changed. More people started attending in the church. Now, That was fantastic. A lot of this happened four months, you know, there seemed like forever, but now I look back, it went very fast. And I get, I get letters to today 
from some of the people that are excited about what God is doing. God used me in there. It was a job to do. Now, what has happened there? Before I left, I wanted the small groups to have a specific room to be able to meet and have the prison ministry. I went to the chaplain and I presented this and he laughed. He says, yeah, it takes two years. You ain't going to get a room. I said, well, I got three weeks. He says, it ain't going to happen. I did some research, filed some paperwork. I left. A week and a half after I got home, I got a letter from one of the guys there. The warden signed off and gave them a room. It has to not only go through the warden, but it has to go to Washington, D.C. and come back. This happened in a little over a month when I was told it'll take two years. Not only that, they made it an accredited class there. So people that come into the small groups get accredited. In other words, when they get out, they can say, look what I did. There's some neat things about this. Somebody might come into that small group just saying, I'm going in because I want that accreditation. Will they learn something? Will they come to the Lord? Got another letter recently. Small groups are now three. Three of them. There's three accredited classes going. That's really fantastic. After I got out of prison the first time, it took me, I was very bitter. I was angry, and I had to let it go. And until you really, really believe and trust, it's hard to let go. I, and I was able to let go of that. This time, I don't have that, that bitterness. I don't have that because it was for the glory of God. He was there. And he helped. When we give our lives to follow the Lord, it's not easy, is it? It's going to be a roller coaster. And if you're doing the will of God, believe me, believe me, it's up and down. If it's going like this, be careful. So, October 27th, I came home. And it was just a blur. The support has been terrific. It's been wonderful. I went right back to work, working on the AWA airplanes. We are working very hard on them right now, trying to get them done. It has been a struggle. Faith. Every time you remember and have the faith in God, don't worry. I found out all my worrying is, is almost a waste of time because he will take care of us. When we're hanging by that thread and we know it's going to break, let it break. He's going to catch us, right? Amen. Now, I want to mention one more thing on faith. I told you that when I first went in for this four months. I was at peace. 
So was Charmaine. We on paper were $600 a month short on paying our general bills, rent, electricity, and food. $600 short. We weren't worried about it. And do you know what? Something would always happen at the very last moment. She wouldn't worry. She'd tell me, oh, we're $500 short. Rent's due in three days. There was always an anonymous envelope, a circumstance at the bank where, oops, they made a mistake. There's extra money. Always something happened. That was amazing. I'd call her. We weren't even worried. That still happens. So where do we go from here? Same place we were going two years ago. Same place we were going last year. Our plan is to give our lives to the Lord. His calling is clear. We are going to the Philippines. We are going to get there. We are going to continue working on the airplanes, preparing ourselves, preparing the airplanes. When I talked about faith, I, I talked about this last week in Merrill. Also, I was asked to speak there. I had a completely different message, and I woke up at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning, Sabbath morning, with this implanted in my head. I want you to talk about faith. It was so powerful that I sat down and changed everything pretty much when I got up on the pulpit. That is faith. Now, there's a lot of people that's, that struggle. I still struggle. I'm still human. Every time you do that, turn to the Lord. That's all we have. Heavenly Father, sometimes we all struggle and you're always there to catch us when we fall. Lord, we ask that, that you help remind each one of us who's in charge. Lord, to have faith in you, you continually show us over and over and yet, sometimes we doubt. Lord, please help us all remove any doubt. So, Lord, we thank you so much for loving us to that extent that we continually can turn to you, Lord, to know that you will catch us. I thank all this in your son's most precious name. Amen.